some of the things that I that I didn't do uh, well enough at was having conversations with people that that knew that person. In this particular case, he said, "Listen, you know, I'm, I'm leaving a big company here. He was managing a thousand units at a bigger apartment company. He said, hey, I can't let anybody, you know, find out that I'm leaving. Don't ask around." And so I was kind of like, "Oh, that's a good point," and I really didn't ask ask around. You know, and that, that was a, a, a terrible mistake. I should have definitely talked to some, some of his friends that were mutual friends with me. As an operator, I know other investors are romanticizing multifamily investing, and I'm looking to learn from other investors' mistakes. I know you are too, and you found the right place. Welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. I'm your host, Jerome, and I've got the great fortune of having Ivan Barrett with me today. Ivan, how are things out in Indy? Hey, Jerome. Thanks for, uh, thanks for asking, man. It's awesome to be on the show. Hope I can deliver some value to you and the audience. You know, in- Indy's for the most part good, man. I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're coming out of this COVID life. Got a, you know, we got our, our protesters and we got a few, a few, you know, bad apples, but mostly a lot of, a lot of peaceful protests going on, getting the word out. But uh, Indy in general, man, we got a, a lot to be thankful for. I don't want to make this a political show, but it, uh, it was kind of cool the other night, three blocks from my house, we got to witness uh, police officers and protesters. Police officers removed their riot gear and walked hand in hand with protesters, which was a pretty cool thing for my kids to see. Without question. And I mean, yeah. since we've already come here, I mean, let's have the conversation, man. I mean, yeah, man. And I are in two different states and look very different, but it, very certain based on the people that connected us that we have similar spirits. So, I mean, what's the reason? Like, why, why are we still stuck in a place where, you know, people don't value life? Yeah, you know, some, sometimes the cynic in me thinks that, uh, you know, the world just hasn't changed as much as people think it has, you know, and there's still a lot of, a lot of brokenness in the world. But then the, the optimist in me is hopeful when I see, you know, my kids really are, are colorblind. And I think, you know, most kids their age that at least grow up in the right home and get, and get good education are the same way. And, you know, they're kind of, bewildered uh, about what's going on and, and really don't understand like, you know, how these things could still happen. And it's kind of hard to explain to my kids. They're like, well, what do you, what do you mean? Like, you know, black people have had this, this past with, with police and, you know, it's kind of hard because they're eight, six and four, you know, having to explain what racism has been, you know, and, and, and how it's really not that far, far in our distant past. But uh, again, I'm hopeful they go to a great school that's multicultural, multi-background, you know, not just black, white, but uh, all the other colors and choices in the rainbow. And so, man, I'm hopeful that, you know, as, as the older generations pass on, you know, this world, that these newer, these newer generations who are growing up with different messaging and, and different lifestyle, it just, it, it, it continually heals in the right direction, you know, but it's, it's, gonna, it's still going to be a while. It's still going to be a while. I'm going to be really, I'm going to be really edgy here. And one of my favorite sayings on this subject 
It was a movie called Bullworth, old like 1990s movie. And Warren Beatty goes off on this rant about racism. And he said, everybody should just keep making love till we're all the same color. And uh, that, for some reason, that's always stuck with me. Yeah. I mean, if everybody looks the same, then how do you discriminate based on skin color? I think it's probably one of the stupidest things to discriminate on. But yeah, yeah. Agreed, man. Agreed. I appreciate you being willing to share your position on it. I think it's yeah, you are for sure. So do me a favor and tell the listeners how they can get in contact with you if that's what they want to do after hearing what you have to share. Yeah, so again, Ivan Barrett, uh, if you spell my name correctly, B-A-R-R-A-T-T, I'm pretty easy to find. I'm all over all over the Googles, uh, BarrettAssetManagement.com, IvanBarrett.com, uh, IvanBarrettEducation.com, which was a site we put together for passive investors to learn more about us, 317-762-2625, 317-762-2625. Man. I hope that's not the sell. <laughs> <laughs> that actually goes to uh, to my associate who manages my my calendar. Uh, can't run it all through the cell anymore. But as I'm guessing, you know, like you, you know, way back in the day when I started this thing in my spare bedroom, I ran everything through my cell phone. Yeah. So let's keep going down that path, right? So yeah, started in your bedroom. Now you're managing and owning and operating 3,000 doors. You're vertically integrated. Break down how you go. This is a coaching call for me today. I'm going from 9,000, so let's do it, man. I love it, man. I love it. So let's see, Jerome. Been in real estate almost 20 years. I worked for a real estate developer from 2000 almost until 2010, my first um, you know, main mentor still a father figure in my life today. Got my foot in the door working for him by saying I wanted to work to learn and that I would work for free and would and he could, you know, pay me if I sold something for him. Building condos and developing subdivisions, owned a multifamily. So I got this well-rounded education and I think I'm going to be this hotshot real estate developer and uh, 2008 hits and I see what can happen in a in a down market. And I'm all of a sudden, you know, negative cash flow, you know, all these deals that he was doing, you know, basically didn't make any money. And I realized that I'd gotten into real estate for the wrong reasons, or excuse me, I'd gone down the wrong path in real estate and forgot about the reasons why I wanted to do it, which was cash flow and and wealth accumulation and and a a financial freedom drive. And I thought I was going to be this developer, you know, buy it, build it, sell it, rinse and repeat, right? What can go wrong? So uh, everything did go wrong, but it ended up being the biggest gift of my uh, young adult career in that I got to witness a crash up front, uh, up close early. And um, through that, I decided to basically start with the one duplex that I owned. I had to move back into it and rent out my condo uh, because I couldn't afford, I couldn't afford to live in my own condo. So my uh, my fiance and I squeezed back into our little duplex. We rented out that condo so that we weren't losing mo- money on it because you couldn't sell it. And I started trying to figure out how I was going to do this. I decided to uh, start a management company for small investors and people that couldn't sell their, their condos or homes or townhomes. 
And I just started managing tenants and toilets, knowing that, that I could use that as a means to buy more units and scale a business. Did it all myself, learned how to rehab, project manage, manage other people's units. At the same time, I was growing these other investor client portfolios of, you know, some people just own one, some people own five, some people own more. I was starting to burr, right? Buy, renovate, rent, refinance, repeat. The old bigger pockets method. Yeah. Um, small multifamily. And I was doing these two things at once. And then I started buying small apartment buildings, uh, started taking on some bigger management deals, and then started syndicating full-blown apartment projects in, in 2014. And from there, today, we're 90-plus employees. Uh, we're about 3,000 units, 400 more under contract across two assets. I get to spend a lot more time on what I like doing. Got this amazing team of people now that executes on the management. And uh, it's, been, it's been quite a, a fun ride getting from being that solopreneur to, uh, to where we are today. Wow. How long, is that 20 years? Like how long did it take to go? I started the company in, in 2010. So uh, this year, actually next month, July of, uh, of 2020 will be our 10 year anniversary as a company. For the first couple of years, bam, I was, I was pretty much a solo act. I had a bookkeeper that would come in uh, every other week to make sure I didn't screw up the books. And then I did everything else and really leveraged um, technology. I think I got up to maybe 70 or 80 units before I started hiring uh, other people, property manager, assistant, uh, full-time maintenance, and then, you know, continuing to grow from there. We really hit a growth curve five years ago when I, I uh, found my business partner, um, who is the yin to my yang, the peanut butter to my jelly sandwich. Uh, he's the operator, now COO and president of the management company, uh, 10 times smarter than me. He's got his lane, I've got my lane, and together we are much more powerful and effective um, than apart. Beautiful. I, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it, it is. It really is. I'm very grateful. Um, partnerships come together because I think a lot of people stay away from them because they're scared it's going to end up in an ugly divorce. Yeah. You, you remember Ken McElroy? Yeah. Yeah. So one of my favorite sayings Ken McElroy would say is real estate is not location, location, location. It's, it's uh, location, financing, and partners right? You need limited partners. If you want to do big deals, you got to raise capital. Uh, and, and, and you need partners in your business um, that can bring skill sets to the table that you don't have. And I'll be the first to tell you, I had some bad partnerships, some, some bad employees, you know, had to go through that. What I can tell you, Jerome, is it's just part of the process. Don't let that fear or those, those things slow you down. That's just, that's just God teaching you a lesson. <laughs> you know, that's just you getting education, you paying tuition, right? And it, it just takes some trial and error uh, to, to get it right. And I didn't know, you know, when my partner came along that, that we were going to be this successful. It just, it, it worked out that way. We were, uh, I'm, I'm very grateful. And, and right before he came along, I had a guy that I thought was the answer you know, to, uh, to my need at the time from an operations standpoint. Maybe you and I are a little bit alike. I'm a visionary. I'm an entrepreneur, big picture guy. 
I can manage an operation okay, but it's not my strong suit. And I thought I, I thought I had my my uh, my peanut butter to my jelly sandwich, and he turned out to be a total flop. And it it ended quickly, thankfully. And all of a sudden, you know, I, I found uh, the partner that I'm probably going to be with uh, till I hang up my spurs. Wow! Be careful, your wife might get jealous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she she likes him probably just as much as I do. So tell me, like what? could have saved you from that lesson with the first partner. Is there things that you know about evaluating people and potential partnerships today that you wish you knew back then? I love that question. Um, you know, now some of the things that I, that I didn't do well enough at was um, having conversations with people that, that knew that person. In this particular case, he said, listen, you know, I'm, I'm leaving a big company here. He was managing a thousand units at a bigger apartment company. He said, hey, I can't let anybody, you know, find out that I'm leaving. Don't ask around. And so I was kind of like, oh, that's a good point. And I really didn't ask, ask around, you know, and that, that was a, a, a terrible mistake. I should have definitely talked to some, some of his friends that were mutual friends with me. I'm a big fan now of predictive index, which is a personality test that I think really does a good job of classifying somebody's DNA, you know, how they, how they approach a challenge, how they're led by others, how they lead, um, how they are at sales or how they're not good at sales, you know, kind of what makes people tick. So learning more about somebody. Um, one thing I did do right was I, I kept control of my company and I made sure that if it didn't work out, I could unwind it very quickly. The old uh, hire slow, uh, fire fast uh, saying. I want to dig on that. So you sure. control, meaning you were 50% owner or greater or 51% owner or greater. And how did you structure the operating agreement or what did you do to make it easy to unwind? Because I think that is, the, the prenup to the marriage, right? Is what happens if I don't want to do this anymore? And how do we- Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you, you got to have a good attorney. A, a, an attorney you trust can help you draw up an operating agreement. And, and most attorneys will say, hey, you know, if everything works out, you're going to stick this operating agreement in a drawer and never look at it again, right? But if they don't work out or if there's issues, this is the document you pull out of the drawer and this this spells out, how I, as the owner of the company, you know, buy this person out or because it's only been three months, it, 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 uh, there's a mechanism to where it never existed in the first place, right? You sign a memorandum, hey, I'm, I'm not a partner anymore. Uh, this thing never existed. You know, we wash hands, we're clean of it. Uh, that's where a really good trusted attorney can, can help. If I could go back in time, I would have hired an assistant much faster than I did. That was one of the things I would have done day one is, is hire an admin, somebody that could schedule podcasts, follow up on, on things, manage a bit of my calendar. If I want to, if I want to take Jerome out for coffee, you know, he or she's going to contact Jerome. If Jerome doesn't answer, they're going to follow up, set the time, the place, right. And just steal back these minutes out of the day for me that add up to hours in the week where I should be using my brain for where it vibrates at a higher level than, than managing my calendar, for example. 
paying some bills, sending a thank you card. It's amazing when you, when you actually get somebody, all of a sudden, all these things uh, that you were doing that you never realized you should be having somebody else do will come to mind. It's just that guys like me, solopreneur, I can do it better, faster. I never stop and think, should I be doing it, right? Yep. What's up, guys? It's your host, Jerome. I just want to let you know we launched Myers Methods in the fall of 2019 with the ambition to inspire a new breed of multifamily investors. If you are interested in getting into multifamily or scaling your current business, hop over to our website at MyersMethods.com to grab your free four-step guide on how to get the ball rolling in multifamily. Now, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, and it's a muscle, dude. You got to start flexing that muscle, man. The more you work it out, the better you get at it. The delegation muscle. <laughs> oh, yeah, dog. Oh, yeah. You so, got de- to gotta, gotta delegate so that you can elevate. Ooh, sounds like you've been in somebody's mastermind. What's going oh, on? Oh, man, you want to know that? I'm in like four masterminds right now. And uh, I have, just counting this up for somebody else, I have four coaches in my life. I have a business coach. Uh, my wife and I share a coach just for us and our marriage and how we, how we interact together. We have a, a, a therapist for when stuff doesn't go well, because it doesn't matter how much money we make, man, if we blow it as a dad and a, hu- and a husband and everything else, it doesn't matter how many zeros we have in the bank, right? Yeah, yeah, I see the pictures behind you on the wall. And then, uh, and, then, and, then, and then personal trader, man, I got somebody three days a week who's like, come on, man, you can work harder than that. Pushing, trying to get the ounce of juice out of the squeeze, right? Well, dude, once you get that taste for coaching and masterminds and being around other people more often that are trying to do the same thing and are learning, or maybe they're ahead of you and they're offering advice and guidance on that trail, that path, you know, less taken, the more you want it, the more, the more you, you need it, the more you seek it out. It's, uh, it's a beautiful thing. So is that something you did recently or was that part of your ascension? Definitely part of the ascension. So let's see, four, maybe four and a half years ago. No, five years ago now, because it was right about the same time I got my partner. You know, the business is doing well. I'm making, you know, making about a million in revenue in the management company. And I joined EO, Entrepreneurs Organization, because I wanted to be around entrepreneurs who were growing and scaling their businesses, not just in real estate, but in all, all facets of, of business ownership. Because frankly, man, like, like I was mentioned earlier, you know, I, w- I wasn't getting a good enough report card in being a dad and being a husband and being physically active and, and spiritually evolved. And I was just super busy in my business and everything else was starting to slip. And I wanted to scale and design a business that would fit into the life that I want, right? Not cramming my life to fit around my business. And so my first mastermind experience was being in an entrepreneur forum in an entrepreneur's organization. And that also got me into uh, the idea of having a one-on-one coach, mentor. And so I dove in, you know, head first, fire, ready, aim. The, the coach pill is a pretty tough pill to swallow for a lot of people because you, you have to say, I'm not operating at the highest level I can operate and somebody else is coming in to help me figure that out. Yeah, a good, a good coach is, is worth every penny, man. I mean, I've, I've got a, a coach right now that I'm paying $60,000 a year for. Woo! <laughs> every year. 
<laughs> yeah. How often do you guys talk? 90 minutes, twi uh, twice a month. Worth every penny. Oh, dude, I get a huge ROI. Huge. Yeah. I, 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 cut, I cut them loose if I, don't get a, if I don't get a big ROI, man. They, they all end up paying for themselves if, you know, you, you own that experience, right? You know, you hear people complain, well, sometimes they get a bad coach, or sometimes they're not very coachable, <laughs> right? That's huge. So talk to me about that. What, what's the biggest takeaway from your coaching experience outside of just do it? Because I, I think that's the difference maker right there. You know, co coaching gives you, it gives you an outside perspective. It, it gives you accountability. It's someone that can come in and, and, and see it from a different angle. And then every so often, right, you're getting together and you got to be ready and you're agreeing, you know, between that time that you're going to do these three, four, five, six things, not a lot, but you're going to do these things no matter what happens. Right. I'm going to make 10 phone calls. I'm going to have five meetings. I'm going to close one, you know, one new investor, whatever it is. Right. You're 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 holding yourself accountable. It's the same thing with why I have a personal trainer, because I, I, I don't miss workouts and I work harder because I've got somebody pushing me. Right. Versus left to my own devices. I'm still pretty darn effective, but not nearly as I would be when I when I've got, you know, somebody cracking the whip on me. Coaches, the, the right coach has been there and done that. So they can, they, can, they can fill in blanks that you don't know that you don't know, right? They can, they can add perspective and experience that you haven't had yet, that, that, uh, that wisdom that sometimes is priceless. Man, this is gold right here. And so what my takeaway from this call is, right, is, hey, do what you can to get the rocket ship off the ground, then add to what you have going on with the right people, right? Skill coach will hold you accountable and keep you on the path that you say you wanna go on. Bring in partners to implement if you're a visionary or vice versa, if you're yep. an entrepreneur. And then surround yourself with people who are gonna to continue to help you raise the bar, right? Because once you hit your standard, you stop growing. But if people yeah. do, they're pushing you to that next level, that's a lot of it right there. Hire an admin. And one thing that I practice that's, that's hard is what am I going to cut out or who am I going to cut out, right? What, who or what is holding me back from what I want to do, right? Do I need to watch less TV? Do I need to stop hanging out with this person or that person, right? I don't need to say, hey, man, we're not friends anymore, you know, but maybe I need to go hang out with these other entrepreneurs that are asking the, the big questions like, hey, did you hire that admin this week that you've been talking about for two months, Jerome, right? Like, I, you know, I'm in that same boat or, or, or I want to go hang out with my boys who want to get, you know, drunk and talk sports, right? Because we've all got those, we've all got those choices. And sometimes it's not just about adding the right tools. It's about cutting out the, the wrong ones, you know, cutting out some of that. Beautiful. And so, Ivan, the last question. I know we didn't talk much multifamily today, but this is one. <laughs> hey, it starts with the mindset, right? Because if the mindset and the growth and the, 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 the mechanics that, that encompass any type of entrepreneurship aren't there, it doesn't matter what, if it's multifamily or manufacturing, you're not going to be successful. Right, 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 right. And so the last question is? Yeah words of wisdom that you would give to somebody that's looking to scale like you have over the past five years? 
Yeah, well, maybe I can't answer everything today, and I'm, I'm happy to talk to you again in the future, man. I really enjoyed speaking with you. A lot of times, I I kind of look at it like climbing a mountain. And if you ever if you ever get the opportunity to do something really hard, even if it's just a walk up a mountain, it, it'll be one of the hardest things you've ever done. And the guide will tell you, don't look at the summit. You ever heard the saying, don't look at a pot, it'll never boil if you do? Yeah, I have. Yeah, it, it's the same thing with the summit of the mountain, right? So like my summit might be 20,000 units. A couple years ago, it was 10,000 units. I don't really ever look up there because if I do, it doesn't ever get closer. And I, I spend more time focused on how do I get the next foot in front of the other, right? And then I, I distill that even down to a, a weekly and a daily exercise. What do I have to do today? No matter what happens, no matter what interruptions, you know, no matter who calls or texts, what's like the one, two, or three, or four things I have to do today that will move the chains on where I'm trying to be tomorrow. I'm going to spend an hour today looking for an admin, right? I'm going to underwrite one deal a day. I'm going to listen to, you know, books on personal growth, sales training, or business in the car. And I'm not going to listen to talk radio or music, right? You do that 15 minutes a day, you'll read five to eight business books over the course of a year, which is five to eight more than most people, right? So it's, it's these, little, these little things that don't look like a lot, right? But if you do them enough days in a row and stay disciplined, they can, they can really have a, a major impact. So for you, it might be, hey, I'm going to figure out how to hire a virtual assistant. And I'm not going to talk about it anymore. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to hire somebody. And if they suck, I'm going to fire them and, and hire another person until I find the right one. Right. I'm not going to wait till everything seems perfect and the birds are chirping and it's the perfect candidate. And you know what I mean? I'm just going to do it. Love it. Take action. I mean, this has been awesome, man. We got to get back together and actually talk multifamily next time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then I got to You made it to this juncture. So you really love what we shared on this episode of Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Do us a favor, give us a five star rating. Give us a review and share this with somebody who's interested in multifamily investing. Until the next time, the pack is with you.